0: All right, everybody, welcome back in a special episode, The Robin Stew Show. It's gonna be a big weekend. We got Kentucky Derby preps all across this great nation we call America. And you know, we had to get on some all-stars coming up, Nikki the boss, Tamro, at N- N- Tam 1215. I got the like Steve Bick thing um in my head. He's coming up. He's talking Wood Memorial, St. Anita, Derby. But we kick off with a young man from the great state of Kentucky who's got a big race coming up this weekend at a place he used to call home, still calls home, probably close to his home. He is the great Mike Maloney. Buddy, it's good to see you.
1: It's good to see you guys. <clears throat> Opening weekend at Keeneland is kind of uh, you know, it's it's not quite derby weekend, but it's a close set.
0: I I even put a bigger chaw in for this one. Uh, that's how excited I am. You but, wore a collared uh, shirt. I didn't even know I you wore, wore a collared, a collared shirt. shirt. <laughs> I, I wanted to be on brand with Mike here with the Under Armour collared shirt. I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we need a deal. We need to deal bad.
0: <laughs> no, hey, me and Roberto got to come see you uh, in October. There's some uh, vagabonds from Knoxville coming up to – to get spanked at Kroger field, we got to, we got to come see him.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a, like a plan, man. Let's, let's do it.
0: Now, just be mindful. Rob, Rob's got to come. So. Well, you know, I, you have to have somebody
2: from New Jersey sport stew up for security reasons. I mean, black <laughs> we, suit, black, you know,
1: soprano style. If you're coming to Lexington, you need someone with deep thoroughbred knowledge in the group.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. Is your dad coming, Rob? Yeah, he's going to come. Okay, well,
0: then we got that covered. Bombs away. He was trying to get to Keeneland in April this year, but he's like, nah, we'll wait till October. And Mike, Rob's dad, Bombs away, he's never met a 20-to-1 shot he didn't like. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you, he's our kind of guy.
1: (laughs) Well, he sounds like a man after my own heart. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Mike, you you let it off. Bluegrass, let's get into it. I... the greatest thing me and rob were talking before the show the greatest thing about keeneland is you're gonna get some fields i mean it's a great day of racing at keeneland first saturday of racing here at the new meet and i'll tell you what phenomenal races capped off by a great bluegrass i'll let you lead off in the bluegrass i mean a lot of ways to go here what are your initial thoughts
1: well, my initial thought is, and I'll get into this maybe a little more later if we have time, is 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 when Keeneland starts this opening, not just the opening weekend, but the opening week, I'm always looking for prices because there are some serious upsets as a general rule in the first five or six days of racing. Um, and even more, it seems like it's even more pronounced than the spring meet. So that's my mindset. Unfortunately, when I look at this race, I have a hard time getting past, you know, the horses that are going to get played. So uh, I know that's, uh, you know, that's not exciting and sexy for you, Stu, but uh, you got to call them like you see them. You know, uh, there's an old saying around the racetrack of, of short price is better than a long face. You ever heard that one?
0: uh i've heard that you've got a face for radio i've heard um seek treatment i haven't heard that one but yes i'll add it to the
1: repertoire you have my permission to use it (laughs) thank Uh, you sir so so my quick take on the on the bluegrass is i see tap it trice and verifying as being the two most logical winners there are there are just several horses in here that that I would be even look trying, you know, to, to be open to an upset. There are a lot of horses in here that I just have a hard time getting to. So for me, Tap It Trice, Verifying, uh, Blazing Sevens, the, those are the top three. <laughs> and Blazing Sevens, let me start with him. He There's a horse that. I looked over my trip notes and I had nothing except a slight bump at the start on him. Last time he ran so poorly in the fountain of youth. I couldn't understand it. Even though I take all this time taking his trip trip notes and putting them in my database, I, I have to go back and and watch the replay again because I can't believe that he could have run that poorly without an excuse. But when I watch the replay again, I still don't see the excuse and I, I i
2: don't think you're wrong not to cut you off i don't think you're wrong either because look they put blinkers on you know that's exactly. telling you right there he wants to change something up and that's that's usually not like chad in a big race to just throw blinkers on
1: yeah it, it exactly that was my next comment was it, it it's it's bothersome that you come off that race and you try the blinkers because that tells me they don't know the excuse either um so the it, it doesn't mean the horse can't rebound. And if he does rebound, he's good enough to, to win in here. But I, I can't use him. I can't play him because he's not going to be that big a price anyway. Uh, you know, I read and Chad and the horse has good numbers. You you know, he's got to catch money. But I just can't take him at a, you know, at a four or five to one, whatever he's going to be in, the you know, in this field coming off that race. So the, the, the only other real, you know, contender that i can see is Ray's Kane, and he got an unbelievable setup last time got a supersonic pace he had a little trouble weaving his way through but it was still a nice setup um so uh you know he he's he's a horse that has a little ability but i you know he's not going to be that big a price either so i have a i have a hard time taking him um so that it just kind of leaves me with the tap at trice and, and verifying, uh, verifying his best race was when he was on Lasix, which he won't be able to run in the bluegrass on Lasix. So that's, there's a small issue there too. Although his last race in the rebel, I thought was, was, a a, he was kind of compromised by the trip. He got out of position there. He got in a little vice, I thought, uh late on the turn and into the stretch. So I can I can kind of forgive that race. I see a little excuse for him there. So I I have enough I have confidence that that he's probably gonna be part of the try. Uh the horse I think I'm 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 gonna it's hard for me to split verifying and tap it trace, but uh, tap at tap it trice, but I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a slight edge to tap Tappet Trice just just because I, 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 by my numbers, he kind of paired up his last two figures, and he might be ready for another move forward. So um, my quick thought on the race, what do you guys see?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, it's a competitive, like we were saying before, it's a competitive field. Like you said, there's probably only a couple runners that you can really take for real in here that really have a chance to win this race. I, the pace set up is kind of interesting to me, you know, a horse like major blue. Um, it, it was odd to me that Lucas cut him back last time at Oakland. Usually you'd think he'd want to keep extending him out, but they got that sprint into him almost like another work, you know, 12 days later off of that race, kind of a, kind of an odd move, but I mean, can you really question D Wayne? I mean, <laughs> but he's kind of interesting to me if he gets to the lead, the McPeak course on the outside also, you know, he's got some speed uh like you make up a great you made a great point with uh, Riggs and Kane there. I mean, listen, I, I thought he moved up on a wet track. That, that's what I thought that was at Aqueduct. I thought he just hit it right. um I, I just can't bet him coming back to that race. Me and Stu's horse, we bet him in the Tampa Bay Derby was classic car wash. I kind of like the way this horse moves. He's a grinder. Sometimes those, you know, bigger horses, the grinders like that, I think they get better. Obviously, as they go a longer stretch of distance, I think a mile and eight fits him perfect. I like that race last time. You know, Case is kind of an old school trainer. I don't think he always gets him geared up, geared up until the big, big races. They're obviously going to need the points here. And uh, I kind of like the way this horse has been coming along watching him. I, I like the rider change to Javier. Um, Javier has really bounced back, I think, within the last year. You know, about a year and a half ago, when I was at Saratoga two years ago almost, Humble um, he was really struggling. Couldn't get mounts. He was just not doing well. Boy, he's really turned it mm-hmm. around. Um, I think he's riding good. I, I think that's a factor. But yeah, Classic Car Wash is a horse I kind of like.
1: That that makes sense. I <clears throat> I can't uh, I can't argue with that at all. He in in horses uh, historically, horses that that go from the dirt at Tampa to the dirt at Keeneland tend to overperform. So. Uh, that you know, that's another uh, another thing in his favor. That's a good stat. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's that's something to look out for. Or I don't know. have hard numbers for it. Just you know, kind of uh, the uh, the the bumps and the bruises of the, of uh, being there every the day. Hey, listen, that's, that's the knowledge. That's the way, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I always try to give the Tampa dirt horses a little extra credit. Well, even last year, you saw horses. I, I think it was the
2: Saratoga. Was it Saratoga the horses went back to aqueduct when they were when they were shipping in from turfway to different places last year? The synthetic horses were hitting the dirt in New York and went early on last year in the spring. I mean certain tracks, you know, certain horses pick up. Yeah, yeah. it seems when they go to different places.
1: When they had the synthetic at Keeneland, I always struggled to because it threw it 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 eliminated a lot of my good angles that I built up over the years on the dirt. But one of the great angles—it's worth nothing now, I guess—but one of the great angles was Prescile horses to Keeneland. They ran out of their mind. I mean, they <laughs> had—I don't know how many forty and fifty-dollar horses. Prescile last race. Uh,
0: I I kind of I kind of disagree. I I kind of I'm buying into Blazing Sevens, I, and I think when you watch that head-on, it's a stumbled start more than hit. It, it, the the horse does he does hit multiple horses it's more of a stumbled start and, and that's what should be called out in the chart and then he kind of just veers to his left and yeah. hits a horse and then we're playing pinball for the first 100
1: yards um but then but, what happened for the next mile
0: well i think i you know how that goes mike you, you start playing pinball you know you get it you, you get your rocks off you, you i mean you ain't got nothing left <laughs>
2: you know, do you Make, think rosario so. stuck with raising cane there or do you think irad seems like they went for irad right i don't think it was a thing of rosario yeah, that, that, telling that, would be, that
1: would be my guess
0: uh and and that's the other thing i think irad's gonna be very tactical and this goes back to something in the. Uh, greatest show we've ever done that was never published last week uh thanks rob um, thank god yeah yeah thank god for you wow where your your horses are still running they're still running yeah um i i mike i want to get your take on this so when i look at races sometimes <laughs> like this and i see some bona fide closers horses that absolutely will close um I've got some horses that I don't trust as speed. I start looking for the horses that can stalk, that can make a middle move. And I think Blazing Sevens, if you trust the BC Juvenile, if you trust the Champagne last year, if, 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 you know, at four to one, maybe it's, maybe it's not worth it. But to me, I mean, five to one or higher, I I'd I'd be willing to take a shot that, runs improves on that form going from two to three. And, and maybe this race sets up for him from a pace perspective, Mike, what do do you think about that idea?
1: I think he definitely can win. I I may have a mental block against this kind of horse guys, because I, one of the things that, that just chills me. and, And part of the reason is, is because I'm a, but most of my money is bet vertically rather than horizontally so i'm in a lot of these exactas and tries and supers and and the thing that that i try to avoid is is betting a horse that could be off form uh, because it wipes out everything like you know, if you're using him in a pick three or a pick five uh and you're using a, another horse or two other horses you're not putting yourself at that much risk so it may, it may just be a personal thing with me but I, I totally see what you're saying about the horse. And do I, do I buy into the Breeders' Cup, jubilee and Champagne? I absolutely do. I think he's proven that he's talented enough to win the bluegrass. No, no question to me. Um, and, you know, the counter argument to what to the things I said negative about blazing sevens would be, you know, Chad's got a lot of horses. If, you know, if, if, if if he didn't like the way blazing sevens was training or doing you know why wouldn't he just take him back to new york and freshen him up for for saratoga you know or or run him at belmont later um so the fact that you know that he puts Irad on him and 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 enters him in this race uh you have to respect that so i'm not you know i'm not uh... i
0: I would agree with you though mike that Tappet trice is the horse to beat i mean how many slow paces does this one have to close into before i mean this horse is legit good like legitimately pretty pretty talented
1: you know what what I like about him is he's consistent. You know, he's he's always shown up so far in his career. Um and and not all Tappets do that. Tappets can run a little hot and they can uh you know they can throw in a bad race once in a while. But but this horse Tappet Trice has been he's been a model of consistency. You know, he comes with that run and and if the pace is not super hot, which I don't I think you're gonna just get an average pace in here. I agree with Rob. I think Major Blue is probably going to make the lead, and you know Verifying should be laying second or third uh, in a really good spot. That's one thing that bothers me. If I if I have to choose between Tappet Price and Verifying, I would always uh, on you know, Keeneland's third track. I would want to to lean toward the horse that would get first run, which I think is going to be Verifying. Um, so that's it a, a really tough call for me between those two. My kind of angle on the race will probably be to say that Tap It Trice and Verifying are both in the trifecta and then just trying to fill out the other slots. Is now, this my, your
2: favorite meat out of all the meats the springtime Keeneland meat? I, I like
1: the fall a little better just because uh, you it's easier to, to tell. To be sure that a horse is in form in the fall, what you find in the spring is there are a lot of horses that are going to make their first start of the year, you know, or their first start in three or four months, and you know they're training well and they should run well. But what you'll find is that some decent percentage of them won't show up. They'll just need a race when the trainer thinks they're ready. So uh, that that adds another factor into the spring meat that I don't have to deal with so much in the fall.
2: Yeah. Getting ready for the breeder's
1: cup. Usually. Yeah. They're usually yeah. primed. And, and and ready sometimes that sometimes that can work in your favor. If you, you know, if you pick the right favorite to go negative, you know, negative on that's coming off the layoff and that, you know, once, once we've run a few days, it'll be easier to make that call because you'll, you know, you'll see some trainers that are, on fire you'll see some trainers that their horses just don't look like they're like they're, uh, on the mark. Uh, I think Chad, like, uh, he ended up having an okay meet, but I, I don't remember if if it was, uh, last spring, but it, it, it was within the last few meets. He had a meet where he started off his first six or eight starters all ran below expectations. Mm -hmm. So, but then he, then it turned around, but so, uh, if you see a situation like that then certainly you you know you might want to take a shot against a horse that's coming off a layout. yeah even some of
2: these bigger stables it's interesting sometimes you know because I always feel like I feel like certain owners too they want their horses ready for that you know Keeneland's a big thing you know racing there yeah. just the just the you know the prestige of just being there and everybody dressed up the crowds tailgating and it, it really is an incredible scene i mean if you're a horse racing fan there's the first time i went there i was in shock. i went in 2006 <laughs> i was like i can't believe there's people that tailgate horse. like i've been in horse racing my whole life i've never seen people tailgate even saratoga they don't tailgate like that. Uh, excuse
0: me, me. we uh, we've seen it at freehold okay. <laughs> yeah i took still freehold <laughs> wow you want to talk you want to talk about salt of the earth mike I mean, you want to talk about the Ritz Carlton. Uh let's start, let's start talking freehold raceway. Now nah. he took
2: down the entire pick four pool.
0: What'd you get back, yeah. still? Uh $35. I took it took down the entire <laughs> pick four. I mean, I felt I it, it look, I hate to say it. I was betting with an edge, Mike. I, I mean,
1: <laughs> that's when you really he's, he's always the king of the cheap shot. Here we go. Uh, you sure you sure those guys at freehold weren't just passed that on the tailgate? <laughs> yeah no no that's actually no that is
0: that is exactly what the tailgate is you're you're 100 <laughs> percent correct, Mike. hey mike you you were telling us a really cool story about the horse in the two hole uh william walden the yeah. trainer um for folks that didn't yeah. see the story on tvg mike i mean by all means it's a really cool story
1: well i th- I think it's a cool story so will Walden is the trainer of of the horse in the two pole in the uh bluegrass clear the air and and will is a in his early thirties um and he had a, a serious drug addiction problem uh you know through several years and uh reached rock bottom or close to rock bottom and uh was uh, finally got to the point where he he participated in a recovery program in, in downtown Lexington, a uh, place called Shepherd's House. And while he was there, uh, a fellow that I know that's a friend of mine, uh, Frank Taylor, who's uh, one of the brothers in TaylorMade uh, Farms and Sales, um, saw uh, will and and some other uh, the participants in the program there, mostly young men. and Frank started a a, a deal where those guys could come out of that drug rehab program mm-hmm. and and come to his farm and work with horses and learn the basics of horsemanship. Well, a few of them did. and uh, Will, of course, knew a lot about horses. His dad is Elliot Walden, the the ex-trainer and and the the guy that runs Windstar Farm now, and a well-known man in in horse racing, been very successful. Um, so Will had grown up on Elliot's shed row and knew knew a lot about uh, taking care of horses and training. So Will decided he wanted to be a trainer, and uh, Frank Taylor put up the money to buy some yearlings for will to train and for these other guys that were in this program became Will's grooms, and hot walkers, a lot of them. So it's a really cool story. will they TBG did an excellent, uh, feature on it last spring. And, and and that's really where I learned about it. You can access that, uh, that little feature—it's—it's it's maybe five minutes long. If you—if you just search uh, "Will Walden Trainer," it'll come up, and and it's—it's uh, it's, uh, t- entitled Day Brightener. So if you click on that, you'll see the 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 segment. It's and it's excellent. Will says in there, um, "We were so low, you know, we were addicts out on the street." or you know in a in a drug house and nobody in the world would trust us with five dollars and frank taylor trusted us with hundreds of thousands of dollars of horses so uh it's a very cool story um i i lost a son to to drug addiction to fentanyl years ago so it touches some you know a place with me uh personally but um it's it's a really cool story, and it's it it's um it's something that happens in racing that a lot of people don't understand that haven't been in racing uh, for a long time. It's uh, there are a lot of great people in racing, and it's a community, and people really do reach out and help each other, uh, and that's one of the that's one of the greatest things about racing
0: it's it's nice to finally have a, a good story a good story around horse racing. it's not it's not all doom and gloom <laughs> it'd be nice it'd be nice if more of those could get out there but you know it's it was, a hard
2: it's a hard business too you know it's very demanding it's you got I mean anybody that follows the sport knows it's 24 7 365 there's no off days there's no sleeping in there's no it's your whole you know when you're in a business like that that that's your whole life the i mean the horses are just you're there every morning at thoroughbreds they start 4, some to some of them five a m and I mean that's taking that's care of right. the horses all day you know they're back in the afternoon racing they're back feeding at night it's yeah. it, it's your entire life' say yeah uh, it's
1: not easy, yeah, I spent a year on the backside when I was a young man, and uh it's uh yeah, no days off and uh we, 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 we had it easy. We didn't get there until five, but uh, there were guys that were already there by the time I got there. But, uh, uh, you know, pretty soon you, you have to set an alarm for about the first month. And after that, you don't even need that. <laughs> oh yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Your body, your body gets you there.
2: You're getting up. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to hot walk at Monmouth one summer during high school. I mean,
1: my friends yeah. thought I
2: was nuts. I mean, they'd be partying until 2am and be like, well, I got to, you know, I got to get up at four. I leave my house at four fifteen to make two hundred dollars a week. But I just wanted to learn. You know, I wanted to get in there and see what they yeah. do. And you know, e- even though you'll see me complaining about losing bets on Twitter or nothing, I always always have an appreciation for the sport because I know what goes in behind the scenes. It's not, well, you know, it's, we'll see it's if you had the money.
1: same experience. I did. I-, I learned a great deal about betting and handicapping from my time on the backside. It, it taught me how it really works and that a lot of times, the, the you know, you you can be scratching your head about why a horse is entered here or why uh, a, a guy would run a horse for a certain tag. And when you get on the backside, you see that there are just all kinds of, of personal life situations that go on. I give you a for instance, uh, there, there was a guy that that was on our shed row uh, and he was a mailman. He was a full-time postman. Well, the only days he could run a horse were the two days he had off each week. So if you were trying to figure out like, why is this guy in this $8,000 uh, six month race when yeah, he could yeah. have been in this other race, it was just because it was his day off. <laughs> uh, that's
2: awesome. But you're, I mean, and, and the characters is that you meet, like, it's just like, you just, you meet people around the business, whether you're a gambler, whether you're on the backside, whether you're an owner, whether you're a you know just the the, <laughs> the stories, right? I mean, you could just, somebody could really write a book or a movie and just, I mean, the characters, I mean, no better story than what you just told. I mean, who, who would ever think that, you know what I mean? It's just incredible.
0: exactly I mean, I wouldn't have met PTF if it wasn't. Well, I did see him at the Clue convention. He came in third. <laughs> As uh, Professor Plum in the cosplay. Shout out PTF. Love love uh, PTF. Um, Mike can can't say enough. Always love having you. Love to have you chat a little derby. Give your thoughts on the derby in about a month's time.
1: All right, I'm I'm always available to you guys.
0: I you're just a match, and we're gonna come. Uh, crash your house and i don't and...
1: say that to many people only guys I know you with... do i
0: know you don't
1: only, i mean only guys with sec football helmets in the background those are the only guys <laughs> i deal with <laughs> hey hey look yeah, guys you, you... with craft beers and fancy bourbons i got you know i got <laughs> i don't know about that i mean
0: well, well there's nothing wrong with fancy bourbons i mean well, let's call a spade a spade mike um we'll have you back in a month we're gonna come uh kidnap you uh rob you got the white van correct lined up for the bronco yeah yeah you're gonna be thrown it just make sure the the wife doesn't call the cops or anything yeah no
1: problem (laughs) hey a couple of quick words of advice uh at keeneland this is not earth shattering but uh uh early in this meet They'll, every meet, there are trainers that get really hot, jockeys that get really hot, and the vice versa that two people that get really cold. And that playing the connection thing, it's kind of like when Sar- when Saratoga first starts, mm-hmm. there's always somebody in the ice bucket and there's always somebody on fire. So it's a real thing, or it's something I pay a lot of attention to anyway. So just something that, you know for the players out there, if you're going to be playing Keeneland nearly every day keep tabs on who's hot and who's not
2: for the, yeah, for the weekend Saratoga, I'm, I'm sure you would remember i mean i think rudy rodriguez was like oh for his first oh, yeah. 48 horses and he held on in like a 12 claimer and he they're interviewing him after the race and he's like thank god that's over i mean it's you're right <laughs> i mean no doubt about it you can get yeah. on them kind yeah. of runs
1: well a good example at keeneland was uh I, I believe Rusty Arnold is Kingland's all time leading trainer. If he's not, he's in the top two or three. And a few meets ago, he lost his first 48 races, I think, at the meet. <laughs> so it, it, you know, and then when he won, he, he never wins with a first time starter. I think he won on the last or the next to last day of the meet at 50 to 1 with a first time starter. So. <laughs> It you know it it, uh, and i'm sure he felt just like rudy did but uh it's a real thing people always look at me kind of funny when i say that but because it doesn't seem like it seems like a little unscientific and not not like uh sharpie enough but uh (laughs) in practice it works at these boutique meets and then saratoga's gotten to where it's a little longer and 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 it's a little different field but keeneland is uh the it's a short meet and you know they run 33 days a year so 17 in one meet and 16 in the other i think and uh uh the you know the trainers that come in here loaded seems like all their horses run well and the guys that aren't loaded they have trouble getting off the getting off the duck
0: Hey Mike, is it one of those things for like weekend warriors where you almost recommend maybe if you, if you got the patience and the willpower, wait a couple days into it, see how things are playing out and then jump in. Or is it kind of like,
1: that's my standard advice. The only problem with, with, with that in in this meet is, is you get a lot of the good racing front loaded, you know, into this opening weekend. So, um, you know, that I do, I do uh, think that's a good rule to live by. It's just a little hard to live by, you know, when they, when they stack a bunch of graded races in this opening weekend. So um, uh, I would say to be, you know, you know, you're going to want to play these stakes. My policy Friday and Saturday will be the early races I'm going to have to really, really love something before I would step in there. It's just going to be like dinking around with some action bets early in those cards, unless there's just something I love. Because uh, if you're, you know, if you're going to play the the last half of the card and you don't have a feel for the meat yet, the last thing you want to do is lose, you know, half your limit or two thirds of your limit before the big races come up. So, I I, 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 I call, Yeah, no, get that's you, Rob. That's
0: He's funny. talking to you, Rob. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's He's a great piece of advice. Next time yeah. he does that, Stu, say, "Don't be speeding, Rob."
0: Uh, look, uh, while well, we 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 know he likes to speed, especially in uh, company cars. But that's a story for a different time. Uh, how's that bonus working out for you? Oh, how dare you! <laughs> All right, uh, more on that after the break. Mike, thank you. We'll see you soon. Talking Derby. Check out Keeneland. Check out Betting with an Edge. Bother PTF. DM him. See if he's got a copy in his attic. And then uh, we'll be back right after a short break with Nick Tamro.
3: Hello, everyone. This is Chris Van
1: Dyne from North Coast Sports. You'll hear me here every week during football season with my main man, Stu, from the StuCast. And just want to let everyone know we got a lot going on at North Coast. we got Power Sweep coming up. Going to be releasing that at the end of August. And get on board for Power Sweep at ncsports.com. Definitely check out our podcast on ncsports.com.
3: And like I said, you'll hear me every week giving out some of the best handicapping picks that you will get in the industry uh, with Stu
1: and Bobcat every week here, as well as at North Coast Sports, ncsports.com. And we're looking forward to football season.
0: All right, everybody back on the Robin Stu show. And we are joined right now by just a lovely individual, he is uh, a guy who he's been down in the dumps ever since the Tigers took two out of three in Houston. You really hate to see it. I mean, it's just tough scenes for for very a once proud franchise. Rob, I mean, uh, it's all downhill from listen, here. Listen, they yeah. destroyed
2: my Phillies, so I can't say anything. And we you stink. Hate
0: to, oh. You hate to see that happen as well. He is uh, the lovely Nick tamro catch him on itm in the money media he's doling out picks he's calling races sam houston lone star uh you're still on steve bick uh you're st- i mean you're a vagabond you're i mean you are you are horse racing maybe maybe we should make uh horse racing america do a special on just nick
3: uh, maybe i guess i'm like uh um, if you're willing to pay me, I'll do it. I guess. Yeah, I, 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 Fair I, enough. That I'm like a, I'm like a whore for horses. <laughs> no, I. I, uh, I you're you're in the right crowd then. I am right. It's is, it is a, it a game. It's like when uh, Trotter's friend tells him and let it ride. He refers to the jockey club at Hialeah as that whorehouse that you're sitting in. So, I mean, I guess it fits a little bit, right? So you no, that's right to, kind you can make of you. a scene and, in the jockey club. Yeah, that's right. Can't you people just watch these races? <laughs> you have to bet on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, you know, I think you're I, I think this was all this was all targeted by you too, because I came on with you two years ago when the Tigers were in Houston for an early April series and they swept the Astros.
0: Hey, that, when, that happened. That was Tough when Hinch
3: was uh Yeah, that was when Hinch was new to the Tigers.
0: Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, we destroyed Verlander in the game, which I mean, you know, I'm not saying anything. uh,
3: Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be a long, I tried to tell a couple of Mets fans that I'm friends with that it was going to be a long go of it in 2023 for for Verlander. So I'm not surprised, but, but I will say, you know, I I try. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no. Did you see the Mets? They've got uh, New York hospitals as their new, uh, (laughs) <laughs> their new logo on the side of their uniform—it's really they a, good.
3: They have a 25-man roster and a 27-man injured list. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's pretty immoral. incredible.
0: I mean, can you, Rob? Can you imagine being a Mets fan? I mean, you'd
3: well, have listen, to be a in sick <laughs> individual.
0: <laughs> I'm.
2: I'm in a slightly. I don't even know if I could say better. We both, both of our franchises have two World Series: the Mets and the Phillies in a zillion years. So it's not. uh It's it's torture. It's it's pure torture being a Phillies fan and. The Mets not too much better. I mean, but listen, when you sign a guy like, you know, like Nick said with Verlander, I mean, even last year in that World Series, he got hit hard in game one. He had the bounce back game, But you could tell to me he was right on the fringe. Like, I, I think the Astros did the right thing. You just let them go, and, I mean, they, they have a phenomenal – do the Astros build these pitchers in a lab? I mean, even their <laughs> bullpen last year, every guy in the series.
0: Was Dude, like, I'm excited about Hunter Brown this year. Hunter Brown, shout-out Wayne State, pride to Detroit, okay? Michigan guy, yep. Yeah, Hunter yeah. Brown. He looks, I mean, the stuff is there. I, I, I feel like by the, toward, towards the end of the season, into the postseason, he might be, he might be a guy that's a, a, a real killer on that, that staff.
3: Well, and you watch him. You they they put him next to Verlander in terms of uh, mechanics and things like that. He's obviously a kid that grew up watching Verlander, so it's amazing how much he looks like him in terms of delivery and the windup and whatnot. Yeah, they've gotten off to a slightly slow start, but yeah, that the the bullpen was incredible last year, and the the international scouting was really what led them to a lot of those those Latin guys that just seem like they all throw at a hundred. And, and and it all, you know, it dances all over the place. I try to stay away from anything on Twitter involving sports, specifically the Astros, because I realize that nobody follows me for my sports opinions. And um, and I'm just going to be a jerk. Probably oh, well, well, I, hey,
0: hey you, people can. <laughs> hey, you should you should let it rip. I mean, look at our, our, our boy, Matt Bernier. He's letting rip. Okay. I mean, he, he
3: no, he, you're right. You're right. I think what he what put I his mortgage on was,
0: Justin Thomas this weekend.
3: <laughs> Somebody, is there MLB now or, go
0: ahead.
3: Yeah. MLB now or MLB metrics. One of them tweeted today and, and asking if Garrett Cole was underrated. And I was just going to reply and say, if Garrett Cole is underrated, then Framber Valdez is Sandy Koufax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't I mean, and I don't I mean, hate Garrett Cole. I mean, look, I hate the Yankees. But I don't hate Cole. I understand why he, uh, you know, why he chased the money. But, I mean, it, it's not my fault that he had a 13 ERA in the AL wild card game in 21 and that the Astros abused him in game three of the ALCS last year. You know,
2: it's okay. Oh, they just, they just, that, that was, that was... That was a dog walking. That,
3: that was season. devastation.
2: Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah, oh yeah. I'll
3: tell you, that yeah. was that was fun, uh, especially Game Three when uh, when when Bader dropped the fly ball in the outfield, and Cole told him, "Don't worry, I got you, I got you." And uh, and Chaz McCormick hit a two run home run in the next
0: <laughs> the next. <laughs> no, at-bat.
3: he picked him. And up. they were crying about the roof right last year. They were crying, crying about on
2: one of those games.
3: Yeah, yeah, they, they were crying about the roof. roof in Game Two. They said the. Uh, that the wind held up i think i think judge hit a ball deep in the the eighth or ninth inning and uh, and they were complaining about that and then you know and then they just got skull fucked in game 3 basically for lack of a better way to put it and yeah, it's a family no, program
0: I, I should be careful
3: no but, no, no, no good.
0: you can let it rip on here i mean you should yeah, see good. you should see the horrific things we say about uh i like it Rutgers football I mean, you want to talk oh. about AIDS on the field. There's like no, that. there's no reason to do that now. There's no reason. Okay. To okay. I'm, uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what got into me.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> Big 10 champ. There's a guy walking along in the, the parking lot of the grocery store here the other day with a Rutgers shirt on. You don't get a wow. lot of those in the uh, Southeast Texas. Yeah. <laughs> that I, is. Thought, I thought, Man, is that the R that I think it is? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. nice.
3: Shout out to the guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Houstonian, but raised by two New Yorkers. So like, I'm very familiar oh, there with you go. With the, uh, yeah, with the the everything Northeast, and in fact, my when my uh, to the Phillies Mets talk is funny because when my cousin got married, at her first wedding, it was in Manalapan, New Jersey. They grew, they wow. were from Princeton, and so oh, the okay, half yeah. the bus was was Phillies fans and half was Mets fans. It's like you guys, that's, what you where, all is. that's
1: <laughs> where the split is. That's where split
2: I live at the Jersey Shore. Stu's been to my house a couple times. I tell him all the time when he comes. I live in Tom's River. It's like Stu, this is where it splits. This is where New York ends and Philadelphia sports begins. So you're on either either side of the spectrum.
0: And you're going to be loyal no matter what. We went to that deli. We went to that deli to pick up the food, and and uh, I mean, we almost
3: got I was into harassed. a fist fight.
2: Yeah, I, was yeah, I mean, yeah. I had a seat. Listen to how bad Philadelphia fans are. more miserable people.
0: Yeah, it, G- coming New from York a fans Giants fans. fan, Nick. Yeah, a Giants fan extolling the virtues of of East Rutherford. Okay, he was upset. He was upset. Oh he was upset. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't need to hear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And screw the horses for a second. Nick, what's your college then? Are you
3: a Coogs guy? So I went to a small liberal arts school in Dallas that did not have sports, but then I went to grad school at U of H. So yeah, I'm, I'm Coogs over pretty much anything. But I mean, I grew up, I guess I grew up a Longhorns fan. I mean, my, my parents were not, they had no loyalty to anything Texas related. And so I, I became more of a Longhorns fan because so many guys I went to high school with were going to AM. And so I was just a contrarian by nature. That's how I guess I was uh, always destined to be a gambler. And so I just kind of and then and then the Longhorns got good. And when Vince Young, um I actually live five minutes from the high school that Vince Young went to. And oh, wow. um which was a I mean a shocking kind of so Vince Young went to a, a very inner city HISD school, which you you're not going to find a lot of good athletics in those schools. So he was an easy guy to root for, you know, being a Houston guy. And, um, and so I kind of, I guess I became more loyal to the, to the horns at that point, but you know, coogs now there, there's something to cheer about at least. Dude, that basketball oh, team yeah. is,
0: they, they just got that kid to come back that freshman to come back for next season. And the football team is real solid.
3: Yeah. They've, they've improved a ton. You know, the the school has gotten a lot of donations. Uh, Tillman Fertita that owns the Rockets, that also owns Landry Select Group and Golden Nugget, all of those spots. He's he's given a lot of money. So it's helped a ton. And and uh the school yeah, even, is gonna even bring that coach
2: from West Virginia over there. I mean, years ago, if you would have said the guy's gonna leave West Virginia to come to Houston, right. you know.
3: And I think he pretty much, yeah, I totally agree. I think he pretty much told him, like, look, I'm telling you, we're getting into the Big 12. So mm-hmm. come here, yeah. you know, you're not going to miss out, but yeah, I mean, it's a great point to think that U of H athletics at that point had nearly as much to offer as a place like West Virginia, you know, it's pretty, pretty hard to imagine. So no, it's good. Uh, good time to be a Kooks fan and there'll be a big 12 next year. So onward and upward.
0: I love it, man. We're going to have to have you, we're going to have to have you on to BS about a little big 12 football in the off season. Absolutely. This could be your outlet uh to rant and rave but let's get into the ponies we got a, we we covered the the keeneland with a, a young man making his his start in horse racing a uh mike maloney um check him out we covered that at the first part but bringing you on to a, a little reliever action a little gregory soto action if you will uh what i was just naming a <laughs> random reliever a i knew okay. that was coming i that's that's shocking um all former all-star rob uh anyway we got we got wood memorial we got Santa anita derby i'll let you lead off nick the uh, the big a this is a a circuit you have a storied history with wood memorial um feels like a, a like a one and a half horse race to me just because of the post positions um is it is it different in your eyes? Do you think that somebody can can make a jump up here, or is it really just, it feels very chalky?
3: Yeah, I think the half a horse changes every time you look at the race, right? I mean, the one horse that you know is a contender is Hit Show. obviously. Um, he was not done any favors at the post position draw. the The one thing that I think can be said for him in this scenario, and it's not dissimilar from Forte a week ago having an outside post, is that I mean, this field has a remarkably small amount of speed. And and you know, when you're worried about wide trips, what you're worried about, the, the thing that you stay concerned about is that you have horses that just aren't going to be able to get over. And the way you get over is with horses that have speed separating the field a little bit. And there's just not very much speed in here. So I'm I'm assuming that you know the plan with Hit Show will be to to ride him a little bit out of the gate to get a forward position. You know, it's funny, I brought this horse up with people. And, and Pete Fornital and I talked about him extensively in a podcast in, back in February, and, and I thought, you know, he was kind of an under-the-radar, maybe interesting horse. And little did we realize two months was going to go by, and he was suddenly going to become a major contender, in large part because nobody else is stepping forward, right? I mean, he's he has at least run a fast race at a mile and an eighth, and so few have. So there's a lot on his shoulders in terms of proving that the the Withers was not a fluke, but it was more of a jumping-off point. And so he's clearly the horse to beat. I think his stablemate Slip Mahoney is probably uh, him and Dreamlike are the two biggest concerns. I'm not bowled over by Dreamlike. I'm a little I'm a little worried about whether that 91 figure is really going to going to hold up. There've been no runbacks. Um I just wonder these Gulfstream dirt figures are very very hard to make. And as somebody who made buyer figures for years, I can tell you when you're talking about you know three or four dirt races on a 12 11 or 12 race card that's very very hard to do you could be in a situation where you're using three or four different variants for that program but i'm i'm a bit of a homer with slip mahoney i've liked him from the start i i really i found his uh his big long slow pedigree to be pretty fun being i got lucky who was a horse who was better as the distances got longer arrogate as well they didn't pay very much money for this horse but he's obviously got some ability he didn't get out of the gate in the uh in the Gotham, but still put together a nice run. I, I understand it was into a very strong pace, but the fact that he ran the race that he did, I think actually helps him in here because he's going to be a little bit more forwardly placed. I was pretty shocked to see the thoroughgraph numbers on that uh, Gotham came back very strong. So this is one of those situations where, you know, the buyer was, for this crop, it was it was average to above average, but the thoroughgraph numbers were really good. And Race King got a two, which we've not seen a lot of. So we'll see how Slip Mahoney holds up. You know, from a wagering perspective, I hope that I can get alive to Slip Mahoney and um, and hit show if I like anything well enough heading into it. And, you know, I could see myself probably playing some exactas with uh, with Slip Mahoney in the race itself.
2: Yeah, the race kind of came up funny as, as far as it almost seems to me like Pletcher's taking these two horses for Rapoli, for St. Elias and just saying, OK, you know what I mean? Like, it's the home track. Let's just try it here. This is one big you know, put him in a race just to put him in there. I mean, and obviously the hype would dream like, you know, the purchase tag, everything like that, but for Todd to put blinkers on like that and then throw him in a stakes race. I don't know. To me, it almost kind of feels like a four spot. I don't know. I just, you know, he didn't race bad last time, you know, like stretching out to a mile in the 16th. Now he's going to go to a mile and an eighth, a gun runner. He should be able to get the distance, but I don't know. It just feels to me like they're just taking a shot with the horse in this race, you know? And like, like you said, I mean, hit show is, is really come on Gary and Mary West. I mean, this is, can they get their redemption? I mean, this is kind of like their Derby, you know, can they get the redemption for getting taken down in there in the, uh, the one in 19. I think this is their best shot. I think this hit show just lays over this field. I mean, Croupy had a lot of hype. I thought as a, uh, you know, last year at Saratoga, all you heard was croupy, croupy, croupy. And I don't know, to me, just really hasn't, just sucks along, you know, gets pieces here and there. He just seems overmatched in this field. Uh, maybe the Linda Rice runner can get away early. I don't know. And keep going as maybe a little bit of a long shot. But this is a pretty tough, this is just, to me, this
3: is hit show all the way. Yeah, you know, it's funny when Dreamlight debuted, that was a day where there was state racing at Tampa. And I was looking at the Gulfstream races a couple of days before, and I thought to myself, Fletcher is debuting a gunrunner. Uh, first of all, has a horse that's a gunrunner out of a tappet mare that Winchell sold, right? Which Winchell runs all of these gunrunners that he has, basically. But here's one that he sold, sold for a lot, uh, undoubtedly, but he's debuting this horse while ride's out of town. And basically everybody else is too. So Edgar Zayas is riding. I thought to myself, there's just no way this horse is good. And then he ran well. And then he came back. And I was actually at the NHC when he lost. And, and I think the horse he lost to was the biggest price of the entire contest. Um, the horse went off 23 to 1. It was a Bill Mott first. I think he
2: was a Mott first. Yeah, it was a Mott first. Yeah,
3: yeah who, who went off a big price and, you know, and obviously ran extremely well on debut. So I've just never really, it's funny, I feel similarly to you. I, I just don't quite get this horse. And, and so I I have a very hard time warming up to him. Um, and I also think that, you know, at seven to two or four to one, he's just a, a disastrously big underlay. So just a horse that I don't, I don't have much need for at that kind of price. And you know he's going to get over
2: in New York, especially with oh, Todd, yeah. especially, you know, Rapoli, the whole thing. You know what I mean? You know right. he's going to be – I wouldn't be surprised if he's honestly – if he's five to two when they go in the gate, you know, as opposed to three to five on hit show. But – I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm never one for taking favorites, but in this race here, I don't know. To me, it's just like you said, it'll be interesting from that 13 post for Hit show. But, well, you really got to like the way he's coming into these races. And I mean, Cox is
3: just that barn is just loaded this year. I mean, it, they have some runners. Man. It's a, he is in an env- in enviable position. Between the Oaks and the Derby, he's uh, he is loaded up, no doubt about it. And I think that's really what we're going to end up seeing with Brad Cox now year in and year out because he's just – it was funny. He had kind of a quiet 22 in many ways. He really didn't have a a marquee horse anywhere. And and I was talking to a friend late in the year, and I said, well, the Brad Cox Revenge Tour, will, it'll start soon. And, you know, once early part of this year – I was like, man, he's got five, six Derby horses potentially. It looks like right now, I mean, he could have two or th- two of of the three or the three favorites in the Oaks, depending on what happens tomorrow and Saturday. So it's 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 really incredible.
2: Yeah, he's had. I mean, he's just yeah. There's not much else you could
0: say. I mean, he's nope. one of, you know he's he's he the top the two or
2: three guy in the country right now.
0: Yep. Hey Nick, uh, you know if if we're if we're liking Hit Show right. And we're looking underneath. Uh, what are some of the horses that catch your eye? To me, uh, classic catch seems like one that could certainly make make a number here. And I think you'll get every bit of 10 to 1. This is one that's won twice uh, at this route of ground. So, you know, if you just project like a, and this is much more of a stalker type horse, which really might set up in this scenario um it it was hard for me to get behind any closers so i you know i kind of like this one underneath
3: yeah i I, before i even heard you finish the question the horse that i was going to bring up was uh was classic catch who is a two-time mile and an eighth winner including once locally um looks like a horse that's really bottomless distance wise and and i thought he ran a nice race last time out an improved run overall he was obviously disappointing at tampa but yeah he was a little bit inside and you know, sometimes what happens at Tampa stays at Tampa and you just got to, you got to treat it that way. It's a quirky dirt surface that doesn't always play consistently. So I, I totally agree on classic catch feels like a horse again, that'll just keep running the entire time. Um, You'll get a good price there as well. I, you know, and Rob mentioned Arctic arrogance as a horse that probably is going to show speed. I hate all these blinkers on blinkers off changes and and I'm afraid it's going to end up affecting what they should do which is they should just go to the lead i mean there should be no there should be no mystery here this is a horse that should be on the lead um he's been at his best when he's shown speed he actually set a pretty fast pace if you're a timeform us user in the withers i i mean i'm a i'm a timeform us devotee and um and i thought this horse ran well all things considered it does look like we've probably seen his best and his best is not good enough but um I, yeah I, I mean my old buddy general banker is a horse that has no, you know, there's no issue with playing him a little bit underneath. Um, he did quite a bit of running late in the Gotham, uh, a little bit more garbage time than than uh, than Slip Mahoney. They each did a lot of garbage time work, don't get me wrong. He's another horse who I think you could slide in there. Kind of a, an easy horse to root for in New York bred by Central Banker that seems to be uh, sort of uh, impervious to, to distance issues or surfaces or anything like that. He just fires every time.
2: Hey, listen, great horse to own, though. I mean, sure. of course— Picks yeah. up thirds. I mean, New York bread. You drop in there, you can get a win. I mean, you you couldn't ask for a
3: better horse, you know. As far as owning them, I mean, he he's consistent as they come. And one of one a, a five hundred thousand dollar stallion series race, right? This is a horse that's put a lot of bread on the table. It, it is a it is amazing the way that New York Stakes program years
2: ago to me was always you know second class, and boy today though they've really even at the sales. I mean, they go for big money at that Saratoga sale in August. And, that they, they, they fly off the board money's there no doubt about it money is there all right, well' say one thing before we move on to sandy the derby that Carter came up that Carter came up incredible i mean that there's some that that is a really interesting race i mean that's sometimes the Carter i feel like doesn't get i mean it's only a seven horse field but that that is a salty group in that race
3: yeah, you know, it is, it is, and it's it's a race worthy of discussing. I was actually gonna I was gonna mention it. Yeah, uh, go for it, Nick. Yeah, let's I mean we might as well stick with Aqueduct. And I'll tell you one of the cool things is that you know, today's flavor is a New York bred who came over to George Weaver's barn and has gotten extremely good. Um, I, I don't know if he's good enough when push comes to shove because we're dealing with a couple of horses in here that have individual performances that are just too good for everybody else. It's a question of whether they're gonna duplicate them. But um, I mean, today's flavors four for four since joining George Weaver's barn and he's barely been headed, right? He's going to the lead here. There's no mystery there. Um, you have Expressman who got 107 buyer in his debut and is still kind of trying to work back to that. You have Repo Rocks, who, uh, you know, is just everybody's, everybody's darling. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> who's taken a huge step forward for his, uh, his current trainer, including a 111 fig two starts back. Uh, Little Vic, I thought was terrific in the Tom Fool last time, beat Nakatomi, who's probably going to be eight to five or nine to five in the, in the Commonwealth. Um, White Ibarrio, who is a grade one winner coming in off, arguably a career best effort over two horses who won their next starts, including Weyburn, who won the Sir Shackleton. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, the one, one word of caution I'll give everybody on White Ibarrio, Saffy Joseph Jr. Switching off of Lasix is on a 34 race losing streak. That's so, tough. Graded, graded stakes races. Yeah. He's had some non-graded run run okay, but in graded stakes races, switching off of Lasix, he's 0 for his last 34. And the thing is, with this horse in particular, look at what happened the last time he switched off Lasix. Right. I was at the Haskell that day. There was chatter about how he wasn't training as well as he was earlier in the year. But I mean, he can't, he was, he didn't get bet and he didn't run a step in the Haskell. So that's the, that's my worry with white of Barrio who otherwise I do think is in the right spot, you know, from a, a distance and class perspective. So yeah, this is a, this is a really, really fun race. I I can't wait to see how this one plays out. Yeah. Zaffy's record too in New York. Isn't, uh, isn't, not great.
2: Not great. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Now and, and he's you know, got I, like a Kyle Schwarber average when he, when he brings <laughs> to New York, he's, he's it's either hit or miss.
3: Yeah, and and you know they, one of those things it's, that's been a way to judge trainers for years because I mean look it's tougher to win in New York generally than it is anywhere else and um, and he is a guy who's gotten more involved the last couple of years having a you know a slightly more regular string but um, yeah it's a lot of lot of cheapies that he's won with Doctor Blute being the best one of them was a New York bread steak winner Doctor Blute is actually one of his only switch off Lasix winners in the last five years and he wow. did it in the uh, Empire Classic last year at Aqueduct.
0: I mean, I mean, you come, you come to the Robin Stu show when Nick Tamro's on for all the inside stats. That's that's what you're given. Thank you, Nick, for that insight. Let's head out to the West Coast. Uh, kale juices flowing. Um, Rob, they they've got like uh the you know saltwater baths going. Our buddy Tyler Hoffman's probably going to be at a spa day, probably.
2: Yeah. V- yeah, uh vegan hamburgers, the whole nine, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, broccoli, you, you got
0: you got to love it out there, broccoli, broccoli, vegan burgers. But San Anita Derby going off five forty three Eastern, the right coast time. Um, what Nick? Uh, I I looked at this race, and and you could go a few different ways. It strikes me that Practical Move, it, it it just Practical Move jumps off the paper, and especially after that San Felipe, when you watch the, um, when you watch the replay, to me, I, it it was just there's a lot of good horses in this race. To me, it was just like I my eyes just kept going back to Practical Move.
3: Yeah, you know, look in terms of of what's you know what's their form wise. The fact that he not only, you know, he didn't just validate his Los sal Derby win, he showed that he's an improved three-year-old, which, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the charges against a horse like Forte at this point, right? Is that we don't know if he's gotten better as a three-year-old, but we did know is that Forte was an exceptional two-year-old and he is now at least as good or almost as good at three, whereas Practical Move has taken a step forward to now become an exceptional horse, at least in the context of this crop. Um you know uh, look it's it's my obligation to find a way to poke holes in in basically every horse that's what a you know any astute captain wants to do so the knocks on him to me are that uh, and it's sort of funny because i follow southern california racing somewhat well enough the the inside at los Alamitos and santa anita generally is not great and i mean right next to the rail you can be a path and a half two paths off the rail and be in decent shape but you generally don't want to be much towards the inside this horse has actually made inside moves on two tracks where the the rail was good in his last two starts And, and and you go back through the uh the the dirt races on that Santa Anita handicap day card, and I mean Stiletto Boy and Defunded are on the rail the first six furlongs of the big cap. Joe Don Looney wired one of the late races. Mendez mile wired a late race inside the whole way at forty plus to one. You just had one strong inside performance after another, um, some of which were formful. So that's the knock: is that maybe he's been helped by having these sort of cupcake trips, you know, against questionable competition. And and maybe he's now going to catch Go Rocket Ride's best shot. Maybe he's going to catch an even better shot from Skinner. Who, if you do believe the inside was good last time, you're obviously upgrading his chances, um, given how wide he was the entire way. And then the variable, of course, is is uh, Mandarin Hero. You know, we don't know exactly what to make of this horse. It's hard to believe he's a blue chip Japanese prospect, but. He's a horse that's shown some ability. He seems like he is uh, very happy to just run all day. He was running at him late last time in that uh, Kumatori show. And I mean, you know, you don't need to go on a big rant about what the Japanese have done worldwide in major races recently. So I'm imagining this horse is not coming over for a trip to Dintai Fung across the street from from Santa Anita. He's coming here with his mind on business. Wow, I yeah, like it's,
0: the it's, reference drop there, Nick.
3: Yeah, I like In-tai that. Yeah. Phenomenal. I've, I've only been West to San Anita
2: once, but I never went there. Is that oh, place
3: it's, it's a it's a uh, dumpling place that started in Hong Kong, and there was one local in Arcadia, and they moved into the Westfield Mall, which is the mall behind Santa Anita. And there's also one in uh, Aria now. It's the it's the new like 24 hour spot in Aria, and uh, yeah, terrific place. Best dumplings you're gonna find anywhere.
2: Oh, I'll have to try that. Oh, yeah. Usually I shuffle to the Ori and I'm about three sheets to the wind after sitting in a sports book and losing all my money. And then, you know, getting one of those slices of pizza out on the strip and doing godforsaken things in a bathroom for (laughs) just some extra money to get back to New Jersey. But I mean,
0: you're you're an expert on the. Uh, on the jersey turnpike at the well that's the rest all right of, that's you know you just that's translate? for a late night show let's not give away trade secrets uh,
2: okay fair enough sorry yeah uh national treasure is a horse i kind of like because here's the thing i you know I, I know Yachtin's name is down right we all know this this charade or how, how this goes on or anything like that but um i really liked his race in the breeders cup juvenile he broke from the outside keeneland i thought he made a middle move into that race um you know obviously forte went you know right by him at the top of the stretch but i thought he ran big that day i thought he came back in the sham I, i'm not sure if they had him cranked up to 100 i thought he was decent in that race made a nice little run late um i, I think they're going to have this horse ready to run for the sanity San to derby I, I really do I, I think this is one of their best chances to win um you you know it's killing him that he can't race in the derby You know, it's it's I don't know. To to me, I I think they're going to have this horse ready and cranked up. I like Johnny V's on there. I like him in this spot. Um, Skinner's also another horse. I mean, obviously, I'm not giving you nothing new. Four to one for Sheriff's like you said, uh, Nick. I mean, you know, he's coming into the race. Well, and and Sheriff's is one of those old school trainers. He's going to let the horse get better as the horse gets older. He's not going to rush him. Um, I thought for him to win off the layoff like, like that speaks volumes, because Sheriff isn't a guy that's really going to have them cranked up, especially off a layoff, even though it was only a maiden win. But, you know, he's another horse. But for me, I, I think National Treasures, I'm, I'm going to make a decent size win bet on National Treasure. I, I think he's the best in this race.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I think the there's there's plenty to like, obviously. Um, my concern was that they did miss the San Felipe with him. He got scratched out of there. And so he's been off for a little bit longer than anticipated. I'm a little concerned about his ability to rate effectively, but I mean, he really mar- rates to get a great trip. He should be just off of go rocket ride. And, you know, that would potentially put him in a spot where, you know, maybe practical move is having to run him down, which, you know, doesn't seem like the, it uh, doesn't seem like a bad thing if you're backing national treasure, that's that's, there'd be no excuse from there. I would imagine. It's kind of odd to see the Santa Anita derby with nine
2: horses. I think, they had 9 horses in this race in the combined in the last 5 years usually i always feel like it's like a 4 or 5 horse field
3: yeah one good thing about the parody in the 3-year-old division is that it's led to a lot of big fields right i mean this is going to be the what this is the fifth fifth prep in the last 3 weeks that's going to have at least 10 so that's that's, that's true, only yeah. good to see
0: nick is there any other races we haven't talked about is there anything that picture interest or uh something that just comes to mind
3: um you know i actually think it it's not a particularly big field and and i don't have a great idea of wagering wise but i'm very intrigued by the gazelle on saturday at aqueduct the, the third race the uh oaks prep where uh chad brown's pair of horses that are both stakes winners at the meet are going to face off that's occult and Sheeta beauty it's actually a fun matchup because i really don't know how much one is better than the other? If you know, if I even know who is better, I think Occult is better. So I'm intrigued by that at a mile and an eighth. I think it'll be a be an interesting race and a good matchup between those two. So I'm looking forward to to that a little bit. Frosty O'Toole is a first time off a private purchase by Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners, now in the care of Todd Pletcher. So it'll be interesting to see where she stacks up as well. So that's kind of a race that I'm looking forward to watching, you know, the betting opportunities at Keeneland, you're not going to get any better info from me than you got from Mike Maloney. So um, obviously a lot of, a lot of opportunities. There some bad morning lines for you to poke fun at. And that's, uh, that's always a, always a good exercise.
2: Yeah. We went over the bluegrass with Mike, I, I tell you, watching the replays today and going through it. Cause I, you know, we were talking to him uh, Obviously yesterday and then we're going to put this show out tomorrow, but I tell you, watching the replay of that Gotham and a horse I'm going to use underneath in the bluegrass is clear of the air. I thought he got squeezed off pretty good in the middle of the lane. I thought he came back on. Um, listen, I'm not saying he's going to win, obviously, but for underneath for triples and exactas in the uh, bluegrass, even a
3: couple of supers, I- I'm going to use him in there as a, a long shot price. Yeah, I don't blame you. And, you know, uh, Maggie Wolfendale actually had a lot of really good things to say about that horse in the paddock for the Gotham. And, you know, I I actually used him a little bit in the Gotham as well. I kind of played him in general banker underneath. And so I hit the the bad value trifecta of 2023 with the, uh, the computers crushing that combo. But I'm not that great. Shout out to
0: our computer wagering teams. Just I mean, salt to the earth. Ugh, the best.
3: The best, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like like shopping in a grocery store where the the where the the high volume buyers get to go in and pick out all the food they want, and they take the rest of the food and just throw it on the floor, and everybody else then goes. Ah, I, 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 I,
0: I, they got I, they, they still got they left those armor sausages on uh, the eighty nine cent armor right. sausages yeah. for you. So I mean, the, who,
3: who really won? Nick, take. yeah, who exactly.
0: really won? Who
3: who could ask for more than that? But no, I think he's an interesting underneath horse too. Um I'm hoping he's also not. Quite as far back with a better uh, better start to things than than he was that day because there's really not a lot of speed in that race either. I think Verifying is going to be extremely tough to beat just from a tactical standpoint. And uh, but I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how good Tappet Trice may be. Talking about post position draws with regards to Hit Show, I mean I think Tappet Trice was hurt by the rail draw, so I don't I don't think that's a great situation for him. He's a horse that has had some issues getting out of the gate. You know these Pletcher horses generally like to get outside. They like to have a a free flowing type of opportunity. And you know my man Luis Saez is a uh, he's all arms, so you're going to see him flapping away on on Tapit Trice probably pretty early in this race. And you know it'll be a question of how quickly he kicks in. It's it's odd the way
2: Pletcher this year. I mean, you know both his horse, you know Tapit Trice and Forte, they kind of have the same kind of running style a little bit. Forte yeah. maybe a little bit more speed, but. You know, even last week in the Florida Derby, I mean, the way he closed, I mean, I wasn't blown, I, I, I you know, a lot of people said to me stuff on Twitter, because I, I just wasn't, I wasn't blown away by that field. Not, not to say the horse didn't race great, but to me, it just wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't impressed with that field, you know?
3: Yeah, field was ho-hum, and, and look, I mean, to me, Mage ran great, breaking slowly, making that first move, and just his third career start, when he was supposed to be placed forwardly, so, you know, picking up the baton from him at the quarter pole and running him down, I wasn't bowled over by it at all. And I mean, I'm too much of a speed figure guy to go nuts about a 95 buyer, even in a slow crop.
0: Hey, Nick, uh what do you got going on this week? Because I know you're a busy man. You're you're a man about town, if you will. What do you got going this week? Where can people find your thoughts?
3: Yeah, in the moneypodcast.com for aqueduct. There'll be plenty of uh info there each and every racing day so obviously friday and saturday um if you're watching this friday then you can click over and uh saturday as well i will be doing the uh players podcast with pete fornital tomorrow we're going to cover keeneland the late pick five plus the stakes from uh the three-year-old stakes from new york and, and california the wood and the Santa anita derby you can get me at twinspires.com every uh gulf stream and Santa anita card that'll be I think those are the tracks I'm going to do for the summer. Um, that'll, that'll of course switch to Del Mar in the, in the, uh, the thick of the summer. And yeah. And if you, if you really have not had enough of me at that point and you have a way to, it's not as easy as it used to be. You can watch Sam Houston's uh, last two thoroughbred cards Friday and Saturday. I love it, man. I love
0: it. You're, you're just out there getting it, hustling. Um, hopefully you can hustle back. We can get you Derby week uh when no you have 38 different uh interview requests PTFs already got you on the hook for 17 shows so oh, get yeah. excited
3: yeah no doubt about it i made a list of things i had to do derby week last year it was like an eight and a half by 11 page long and i have <laughs> it's just you know it's fun it's racing it's never never feels like work oh uh, yeah it doesn't suck but at the same
0: time yeah all all of it's ptf get give give them That's my better. best i gotta get it back to Any, them anytime um well that'll wrap it up for us thank you to mike thank you to you nick uh and tam one two one five stuck in my head forever uh check out nick tamro on the twitter machine me and roberto will be back next week we'll be yelling about the eagles draft uh talking about how the lions are gonna fuck this draft up i'm excited uh tight end first pick that's what i'm thinking uh michael Mayer getting his jersey yeah yeah thanks man you do i i know where you live uh that'll wrap it up for us uh so for nick for roberto take care brush your hair and we'll see you after a while